the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always an honor. Today is Monday, August the 10th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on August 10, 1944, during World War II, American forces overcame the remaining Japanese resistance on Guam. Today in 1861, Confederate forces routed the Union troops in the Battle of Wilson's Creek in Missouri. It was the first major engagement of the Civil War west of the Mississippi River. Today in 1921, Franklin D. Roosevelt was stricken with polio at his summer home on the Canadian island of Campobello. Today in 1945, a day after the atomic bombing of Nagasaki, Imperial Japan, the government, they conveyed their willingness to surrender, provided the status of Emperor Hiroshita remained unchanged. The Allies responded the next day, saying they would determine the emperor's future status. His future was not bright. Today, 1962, Marvel Comics came out with Spider-Man. The comic book cost 12 cents. Spider-Man was on the cover. Today, in 1969, Leno and Rosemary Labankia were murdered in their Los Angeles home by members of the Charles Manson's cult one day after actor Actress Sharon Tate and four other people were slain. Charles Manson and his group were all found guilty. I had some contact with that, not him, but when I was in the church in North Hollywood, I knew the we had a pretty strong connection with the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. We did some things together. In fact, I was a guest speaker there a couple of times, I think. The youth pastor at that church told me at that time that Charles Manson had actually been in and out of that youth group at the church. This was never really publicized or known, but he was real confused. He was on drugs all the time. And what happened, according to this backstory from the youth pastor at the Hollywood Press, he said that um, Manson got so screwed up taking drugs and all. And man, there were a lot of those people in those days, particularly in L.A. But he somehow, this movie came out called Rosemary's Baby, and Sharon Tate played Rosemary in the um, in the movie, and in the movie, it's kind of a it wasn't a parody, but a kind of a parallel to the Christian story of the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus, and um, she not having known a man, and so on. And this movie was an attempt at at a parallel to that, a satanic parallel. And Rosemary's baby was supposedly Satan, and she was giving birth, Rosemary not Mary, the Virgin Mary, was giving birth to Satan in this movie. I have, of course, never seen it, but I've read about it. And so Charles Manson got screwed up in his head. He thought, from all of his drugs and his lostness, he thought that if he killed the actress, Sharon Tate, who played the role, he would be killing Satan before Satan could be born and bring all kinds of bad stuff on American people. It's a weird story, but that's what sin and drugs can do. 
and are doing in the lives of people. Today, in 1988, President Ronald Reagan signed a measure providing $20,000 payments to still-living Japanese Americans who were interned by the U.S. government during World War II. And today, in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was sworn in as the second female justice on the Supreme Court. She's been having a lot of uh, health problems, a lot, and uh, I haven't heard anything about her the last couple of weeks, but she was not in good shape. The last report I saw, which was about a week ago or so. In Proverbs chapter 24, verses 10, 11, and 12, the Bible says, verse 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That would tell me, as I read that verse, that if my strength isn't up to the horrible times in which I live and what's going on in my world, I need to look to the Lord for more strength. Because our strength is from the Lord. Verse 11 says, Deliver those who are drawn toward death, and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. And verse 12 says, If you say, Surely we didn't know about this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? We certainly live in a time today when people are stumbling to the slaughter. We are hell-bent on self-destruction today, particularly in a country that was founded on the principles of Almighty God's Word itself. We are stumbling toward the slaughter. We are moving, drawn toward death on every front. We cannot, for a moment, take a deep breath and look at our founding on the biblical principles or look at Christianity as a possible cure for America. Because we have so secularized ourselves, not the nation particularly, but the leadership in most cases, and certainly the media, have so secularized themselves and ourselves that we can only seek solutions in the human dimension. And that is the path to destruction. Chicago Tribune is reporting this morning, big headlines, huge headlines. Portland comes to Chicago. Hundreds of people swept through the magnificent mile in other parts of downtown Chicago early this morning, Monday morning, for five hours, almost till daylight, breaking windows, smashing windows, looting stores. They said there was gunfire, violence against police officers. As of this writing, which was an hour ago, downtown Chicago is all but closed to those who are trying to get to work on a Monday morning. They said, as we look into the details more, we'll be reporting more. But they said the looting and rioting started just after midnight, lasted five hours. People darted through broken windows, doors along Michigan Avenue, carrying shopping bags full of merchandise. The Tribune says that cars dropped off more people. The crowd grew. At least one U-Haul van was seen pulling up, loading up with stuff from these stores. And this is kind of the elite shopping street, and many of you know that. Of Chicago. Chicago Tribune says people were being dropped off like it was just another morning at looting school. That kind of characterizes the day in which we live. Seattle had the same report this morning, Seattle Times. Vandals once again took aim at several stores in Seattle's First Hill neighborhood and go on, they tell the story. Same thing. Every day, it's like Groundhog Day. Every day. 
we hear the same stories. Starbucks had ply, Starbucks store had plywood on it. They ripped it off so they could build a fire with it. Businesses looked like the Seattle Times said this morning, like someone had taken a baseball bat to the windows. They probably had. King Five's reporting the same thing that Seattle Times is reporting. But something else was happening last night in Seattle and the night before in Portland. And the media is almost unable to report on it. But I'm not, and I want to tell you about it. As riots continue, as lostness continues, as people continue to stumble toward destruction, there is something else happening. It's called riot to revival. It's an emphasis on God's word. It's interesting. Some in the media are even attacking, now that they're talking a little bit about it this morning, they're attacking the people that led the worship over the weekend. Here's what happened. Fox News reported Sunday, to their credit, thousands of Christians gathered outdoors in Portland, Oregon on Saturday to sing spiritual music amid the state's coronavirus social distancing measures just hours before a riot that was declared across town and a separate crowd lit fire to the city police union headquarters. They go on to say on Fox News, worship leader Sean Foyt told Fox and Friends Sunday, yesterday morning, thousands came together, white, black, Hispanic, male, female, We all came together and released our song of hope over the city. People gave their life to Jesus. Hundreds of people were saved. They were baptized in the river behind where this was taking place. It was just a worship service. It was like we used to do in the church buildings when we were allowed to go there. There was so much joy that they overtook the streets of that city last night. This is Hegseth on Fox. He clearly is a Christian and very supportive of this. Fox promised they would bring Boyd back again. He's a worship leader from a local church in California. In stark contrast, KGWS TV 8 in Portland, the NBC affiliate, they reported the event with this. Hundreds of people gathered along Portland's waterfront Saturday evening in defiance of state orders to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And five miles across town, There were hundreds of people breaking windows, burning Starbucks, burning plywood that was supposed to protect the businesses, and they didn't even mention any, the word defiance. And they won't. And it's the same in Seattle. It's the same in Chicago. It's the same everywhere because we are locked into a a cell. It's like a, a prison cell. It's called progressivism. The word suggests something very different. But we have become the prisoners of progressivism. KGW said they they came to see Sean Foyt, a controversial worship leader and political activist (laughs) who has held similar uh, crowded outdoor services on beaches in California in defiance of coronavirus restrictions there. Well, he has. He's not trying to defy anything. He's trying to lift up the Lord because he desperately knows that That's the only answer we have. Clearly, this other junk they're doing isn't working. We have Jenny Durkin standing out there 
cheering these people on, summer of love stuff, just a month or two ago. Then they come to her house. And then she said, well, this has got to stop. We need to sit down and talk about this. Yeah, of course, Ms. Durkin, we'll sit down and talk about it. That's just nonsense. I mean, it's like loony. The news from KGW continues. They point out the vast majority were not wearing masks. Big deal. And they go on and on and on about it. Nothing is ever said about masks on these riots that are destroying cities. Boyd is only controversial, and I'm, I am defending him. I don't know him personally. I know people who know him very well. But he's only controversial to the media because he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very forthright way. And he gets people to accept Christ. They get saved. And yes, he's strongly encouraging Christians wherever he goes to get involved politically and vote. And not vote for the liberal element in government. As I said, he's a worship leader in a local church. And he started a ministry called Hold the Line Ministries. He's been holding these outdoor worship services. In fact, I talked about it on this program a couple of weeks ago. I wrote an article on this at faithandfreedom.us. And in there is a link to what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago about this guy. He was holding these services on the beach in Huntington Beach in California, in Southern California. And um, I know one report said they had about 200 people out there were very encouraged by that. And then a few days later, they said, man, a thousand people came out and they were telling them about Christ. People were accepting Christ and they were baptizing them right behind them in in the ocean there. So Saturday night, he was doing this in Portland and the media stiffened. And they either wouldn't report it, most of them didn't, or when they did, it was all a criticism of him personally and of the fact that these people, these Christians, weren't wearing masks. Well, some of them were, but most of them weren't. I mean, it's true. But that was the focus of this thing. Well, there were lives being transformed. Well, there were people there who were black and white and Asian and indigenous and male and female. All of them were coming to get the very thing that this whole movement claims to want to achieve. Equity, equality, inclusion. It's all there. It's there in the kingdom of God. But they can't see it. They refuse to see it. They will not report on it. Voigt tweeted yesterday. He said, I will never, ever, ever forget what God did last night, meaning Saturday night. We will tell our children's children about it. Nothing is too hard for God on 8-8, August 8, New Beginnings for Portland. Thank you, Jesus. You look at the pictures, I think you would be moved as I am. It brings tears to my eyes. Foyt told Fox yesterday morning, he said our tagline last night, meaning last night in Portland's Saturday night, was riots to revival. He said, which we're carrying with us into Seattle tonight, which was last night. I'll tell you about that in a moment. He said, we just believe that the church has the ability to change the narrative. He's absolutely right. Of course the church has the ability to change the narrative. But we've got two problems. Too many pastors are silent. They're afraid to speak out. And the media won't report when somebody does, except in a negative way. I understand why pastors are hesitant to speak out. I wasn't. And I got criticized. I got blasted by the media. I've been there, I know, and it continues. But I will tell you, that is the only answer. That's the only narrative that's going to break this cycle of destruction. 
we can vote in whomever. And it's not going to change anything until we begin to understand what the basic foundations of life itself is. And that has to do with Almighty God who created us. In Seattle last night, Voight, as he told Fox News yesterday morning, did indeed move his service to Seattle. And of all places, guess where they met? <laughs> they met They met over on Capitol Hill. Yeah, where Chaz was. He and his team, they held their worship service in Cal Anderson Park, right there, formerly known as CHOP, then they revised it to Chaz. What a contrast from lawless Chaz to prayer and praise to Almighty God. But what didn't change was the criticism. As far as, far as I could see last night, none of the press reported on this last night that I could find. This morning, there is one one reporting. Cairo is reporting. But my daughter-in-law, my daughter and my son-in-law, and their 21-year-old 20, son, my one of my grandsons, he's preparing for the ministry, in fact, going into full-time ministry, just about to graduate. They went. They were there last night. So we have an eyewitness account. I talked to them at some length. I didn't go, of course. They left before the gathering dismissed, but... They said there were thousands in attendance. I was talking to my grandson, as I said, who's going into the ministry. He said, Papa, you wouldn't believe it. I said, yeah, I believe it. He said the park was completely filled with people, thousands. Unlike Portland, though, there were people in attendance there who were actively trying to disrupt the worship gathering. These folks didn't encounter that, at least noticeably, in Portland. Some of them appeared in Black Lives Matter. I'm not saying who these people were. I don't know. But they appeared to be with Black Lives Matter. Maybe they were someone else wanting to appear that way. I don't know, but they appeared to be. And some appeared to be Antifa, and pretty sure they were. My grandson noted that a black pastor from Minneapolis, he was giving an invitation to accept Christ. The agitators in the crowd, these thousands of people there, the agitators in the crowd would begin to shout with these piercing sounds. A demonic sound, trying to drown out the message. Sean Voigt, the worship leader, who's kind of heading this up, but there's a number of other ministries and pastors traveling with him. He would step to the microphone and ask the Christians to repeat the name Jesus, Jesus. And when they would do that, the agitators would quiet down. Amazing. At one point, the agitators cut the cords or they disabled the generator so they could cut off the sound system. Worship continued. They had the sound up and running again in just a matter of a short time. Apparently, they were prepared for such a thing. My grandson said it looked like at least 100, maybe more. He said he couldn't tell how many were accepting Christ across the audience. They'll continue. The black pastor shared that the Lord spoke to his heart during the death of George Floyd in his city, telling him the Lord is going to do something significant from this. It appears, he said, to look like it's a negative thing that's happening, and it is, but something good is coming out of this. In my own way, I've tried to say that from time to time on this program. Somehow God is going to bring good out of evil. He does. Some who listen to this program have criticized me for saying that because they're saying, well, God isn't associated with evil. And I didn't say he was, and God doesn't cause evil. But God brings good out of evil. This black pastor was sharing. 
as I said, you look at this thing and the very thing, the world, these idiotic, some politicians say they want, and they spend millions and billions trying to achieve it, is happening before their eyes, and the press won't report on it, which is fine, and they won't accept it, which is not fine. Because this nation was built on these principles. If one has an any understanding of history, you can look at this kind of thing, and I, I will tell you there will be more of this. I don't know if it will be the same people or different people, but there will be more of this, not less of this. Because I believe in my heart of hearts that God is is not done with America yet. God has something for America to do. Ultimately, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we will spend eternity with, with Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We will worship and praise and do whatever we're going to do in heaven. David, a lot of the... I was going to just, just say, say one, but a lot of the pastors and preachers on this radio station talk about heaven david jeremiah is one of them but there are many they talk about heaven and what's going to happen there and as a pastor i preach sermons on heaven but ultimately we're not sure we have an idea the bible tells us some things but whatever it is we're going to do there but until we go to heaven we have a dual responsibility and a dual citizenship and god holds us responsible the, ver- the verse in Proverbs that I read a few moments ago. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is too small. But it says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. And if you say you didn't know about it, well, I'm, there's nothing I can do. I'm just one person. Does he not weigh the hearts that consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know what you know and what you don't know? Will we not be held responsible? Of course we will. And God has called us to be salt and light and to be a voice and to be a presence in the culture. Not to sit in the dark corner somewhere and say, boy, this is really bad. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just one person. We're to be a light in the darkness. Don't put your light under a bushel. Let it shine. If you went to Sunday school, you learned that at an early age. If you didn't, we should know it now. Let our light shine. Don't let Satan poof it out, blow it out. Let it shine. This is the day in which we live, and this is not a political battle. This is not a war against flesh and blood. It it isn't merely political. It plays out in politics, thankfully. In many of the countries I've been in, in missionary work, it plays out with guns more than America is now. I mean, one you go to bed one night and you wake up, there's a new government the next day, and the guy that was in charge yesterday, the king or premier or whatever he was, is dead. I've seen it. Our power plays play out in politics in America. But this isn't merely political. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're faced with. There were a group of satanic people over on at Cal Anderson Park last night in Seattle. There were a group of satanic people carrying satanic signs, going throughout the crowd, trying to bring a spirit of, of, of confusion or a dark spirit of opposition 
on this worship group of thousands of people worshiping Almighty God. That defines what we're seeing today in our world. There will be more of this, not less. But there will be more of a voice for God because this generation is awakening and they see the needs. They see the issues. But I will tell you, there is resistance like I have never seen in my lifetime. And I grew up in the church and Christianity. I, 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 my whole life in the ministry, I've never seen resistance against Almighty God and the Bible. I know there have been times, and certainly there are in other countries, but I have never seen anything like this in my lifetime here in America. Cairo 7 was the only one as far as just within the last couple of hours that I could find of all the Seattle media, even some that I thought probably would, didn't, didn't even cover it, didn't even mention it. Cairo covered it. The guy, this Michael Spears that covered the story, I, I don't know him. I know some of the people over at Cairo. I don't know him. But he said hundreds of people packed into Seattle's Cal Anderson Park. Well, there weren't hundreds. There were thousands to this Let Us Worship rally. He said that they did this just to bring a blessing over the city. He quoted one of the people there, Charles Carcu uh, or something like that, one of the people that are, were involved in it. But the first point they made was the fact that few were, were wearing mandated face coverings. That's what they saw. They didn't see the power of God. They didn't see all these people not breaking windows, not burning the city. They saw them worshiping God as good citizens. But they had to point out they weren't wearing masks. They're there in opposition. Boy, I'll tell you. When Black Lives Matter is running the streets and breaking and crashing and stealing, when Antifa, they're not anti-fascist, they are fascist, are running the streets and doing the same, bringing up U-Haul trucks as they did last night as you slept and I slept, hopefully. If you didn't, you probably will sleep better tonight. But bringing U-Haul trucks, loading up the loot and carrying it away, all in the name of protest freedom of speech, and the elected leaders that you and I have elected across America, they stand by, and they applaud, and they celebrate. And they go, yes, this is democracy in action. No, it isn't. This is what Proverbs calls stumbling toward the slaughter and toward destruction. And there are people behind this that are feeding it. They are spiritual prisoners of Satan himself, and some of them are using their billions of dollars, George Soros and others, to fund these kinds of things. And yet Christians come together, and the media can't even notice. And if they do, it's all about resistance to the rules, and some of the people there weren't wearing masks. Anyway, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never forget that. We'll keep saying that every day. With your support, we'll be able to continue. Thank you for your support. Boy, we need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009.
or you can contribute online, faithandfreedom.us. Thanks for being with me today. Always a privilege, a pleasure. We'll see you right here tomorrow, and we'll continue this conversation. Who knows what will happen overnight.